The Sunday School video today covers the story of baby Moses. You can find a link to that video in the description of this video below. Manifold wisdom of God. 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 The Lord has made known by His church the wisdom of God. He has made known by the church to all of the worldly powers. He has made known by the church the purpose He's worked through His Son. He has made known through the Spirit His plan from before the ages, and through the church all men shall know the wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. Manifold wisdom of God. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, from the English Standard Version. Ephesians 3, 1 through 6. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is the Gentiles, our fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Do not lose heart, do not lose heart. Take care, my soul, that you not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Eternity matters, so do not lose heart. How can I pray when my heart is broken? How can I praise when I see so much pain? How can I try through the many trials? How can I grow when it feels there's no gain? How can I work when it looks so worthless? How can I serve when it all seems vain? Do not lose heart, do not lose heart. Eternity matters, so do not lose heart. Do not lose heart, do not lose heart. Take care, my soul, that you not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Eternity matters, so do not lose heart. Why do I strive to help the helpless? Why do I stand up to name his good name? Why do I fight in the battle endless? Why do I shine? 
So yesterday was Halloween, and to many of you, it's, it's probably not that big of a deal. I mean, for, for me, it's really not all that big of a deal about Halloween. But did you know that there's actually a bit of a history behind it, too, and, and a history of, of those people who are following Christ or, you know, trying to follow Christ in their lives? And that is actually that, that Halloween is the eve of another day. It, it's kind of like the Christmas Eve before the, the big event, you know, on Christmas Day. But Halloween is the eve of today. Today is November the 1st. And for most of us, that, that date doesn't really mean a whole lot. But it is significant because it's actually known as All Saints Day. And once again, that probably is a little bit uh, unfamiliar to many of us. But the concept behind All Saints Day is it, it was a day that, that we as Christians would would take some time to remember those who have, especially those who have gone on before us. It's a time to remember the saints and to celebrate the lives that they lived, you know, the examples that they've given uh, for us to be able to, to learn some things from them. Both the saints who have lived during our own lives and that we have known and have really uh, helped influence us, but then also those saints that we read about in the scriptures. And so today I wanted us to kind of take a look at what it means to be a saint. And on that note, what I discovered, you know, usually I use the, the NIV, the, the New International Version of the Bible. But actually today I'm going to be using the English Standard Version. And the reason is the NIV does something whenever it comes to the word uh, for saints. It actually translates it. And it translates it as like something to the effect of the holy people of God. And that is what a saint is. You know, we think of saint and we think of it. I don't know exactly why we do this, but, you know, we think of it as, oh, well, that's not just any ordinary Christian. It's some, you know, super Christian who's up on some high pedestal. That's actually not what the word saint is, is used in the scriptures. The word saint is used actually a lot of times. Just kind of flip throughout your Bible and especially the writings of, of Paul, even the book of Ephesians that we're going to be looking at today. And you will find out he addresses the saints. He addresses the holy ones. We are the holy ones. We are the ones who have been called apart from those who are in the world. We have come from those who are in the world, and we've been called to something different. And whenever I was thinking about, okay, so how do I want to, to take a, a look at what it means to be a saint? Well, I came across this passage here in Ephesians 3, and whenever I started looking at this passage in, in Ephesians 3, 
I just decided this is what I want us to look at today. It's maybe not exactly what I had in mind, but after I looked at it, I'm like, this is so powerful. I, I, I want to talk about this. I want to share this with my church family so that we can all appreciate what it means to be a saint. So let's take a look at Ephesians 3. We've already looked at the first few verses in the scripture reading, but now let's let's pick up in verse 7 and let's find out something about saints and let's find out something about how great of a thing it is that we can be called saints. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. Once again, I'm going to be reading from the ESV because they kept that word saint and I want us to, to kind of, I don't want that to, to drop out of our vocabulary. I think it's good for us to communicate to one another that, you know, you are a saint. I am a saint. We are saints. All of us who are Christians are also saints. We are the holy ones of God. So let's look at this here in verses 7 through 13, because there's a lot we can find out about how great it is to be saints. It's Paul speaking, and he says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for every one what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So let, let's pause here and let's kind of unpack this. And let, let's look at some of these things because there's a lot that he talks about. For starters, in this section, we see this, this phrase that he says in verse eight. He says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. Okay, when you look at what he's talking about with the gospel, he is combining the gospel message that he is called to proclaim, and specifically that he has sent to the Gentiles. You know, that, that is something that is unique, and we need to kind of keep that in our mind about uh, Paul, is he was, even though he himself was a Jewish person, he was sent to the Gentiles. And whenever he speaks about the gospel message that he is proclaiming, he speaks about it in the term of this mystery because it was a mystery. And the mystery was, okay, when you look at the Bible and you see what God had planned, he chose the family of Abraham, but what about all the other family? How are they gonna be brought into the family of God? That's part of the mystery. And the way that we see this, this being revealed to us, this mystery that has been now revealed to us, is the fact that God always had a plan to bring in the Gentiles as well. If you remember even the promises that were given to Abraham, included that through him, through his descendants, all the nations on earth are going to be blessed. How's that going to happen? That's this mystery. And the mystery is revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, we as Gentiles, and I'm just kind of assuming that most of you listening to this are Gentiles. I mean, I'm a Gentile myself. That means I'm not a Jewish person. But we have been brought in to the family of God. We've been brought in to the fold of God. We've been brought in to the holy ones of God through Jesus Christ, only through Jesus Christ. Do not forget that, because that is that is central to everything that we're looking at today. That's, that's the only reason why you and I can be called saints, is because Jesus Christ is truly the Holy One, 
and that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Okay, so Paul, he calls himself the very least of all the saints. When you look at his history, you can kind of understand that. He was persecuting the church. I mean, he was adamantly persecuting the church. He was even going so far as to, to killing them. He thought he was doing what God wanted. He wasn't, okay? We, we get that from, from the apostle Paul. That's why he would, you know, constantly call himself the very least of all the saints. But even though he was, you know, in the wrong for a while, he still turned his life around and he became a very strong follower of Jesus Christ. And it was because of what he's already said in verse seven, it's because of this grace of God. The grace of God is such a wonderful gift that we need to, to recognize. And, and Paul knew it firsthand. That's why a lot of what Paul writes about is this grace of God, because he knew it. That's what he experienced. That's what that's the only way to really adequately explain what it means to be a Christian is it's by the grace of God that we are what we are. It's because his grace has has given us all these great things. So he can say that he's the very least of all the saints. But we see that that he was actually a powerful saint. And the reason for that was because of God's grace. So we see God's grace is connected with with us being saints, and especially with, with Paul being a saint here, that uh, he makes that connection. But then we also see something else here that I've already kind of started to mention about. But in verse 10, if you look at there, you'll see that, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. Have you ever thought about that? That we as the church are revealing something. Now, you know, we've already kind of looked at it a few weeks ago that that Jesus says that I'm the light of the world. And then he also told us as, as followers of him, he said, you are the light of the world. You know, your job is to be the light to the, the world of darkness. And that's part of what the church is. We are called to be lights out in the world. But you know, he's talking about something a little bit more than that here. He says that it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God, okay, the, the wonderful might, mighty wisdom of God might be made known. But you know, it's not just that the wisdom of God would be made known through the church to the world. It, he actually says to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. To the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Isn't that kind of strange language? That's actually a lot um, of the same type of language that Paul talks about later on in this same book. Whenever he talks about putting on the full armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. He actually says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And I think that what we see here is some of the same language that's used in Ephesians 6 about how we don't fight against flesh and blood. No, no, no. This fight, this, this spiritual warfare that's taking place, it is in the spiritual realm. It's not in the physical realm. It's the spiritual realm. And we see that there are these forces. Okay, if you want to kind of say it a different way, you could also kind of bring in Satan and the demons, you know, those types of spiritual forces that are around us. The way that Paul uses it, he uses it a little bit more. He talks about these authorities and cosmic powers and, and this, this present darkness and, uh, and all these things. He, he kind of uses several different phrases. But it's the same types of phrases that he's using here in Ephesians 3. So in Ephesians 3, part of what the church does is we reveal the wisdom of God. We make it known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. The rulers and authorities in heavenly places. I don't think we're talking about just the world here. I don't think we're talking about just humans here. I think that what the church does is we actually reveal the wisdom of God 
to, you know, we have revealed the wisdom of God to Satan himself, to those spiritual beings who are followers of Satan. I believe that's what that's what Paul is saying right here. Whenever he says that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. We are part of revealing it. How do we reveal the wisdom of God? We reveal the wisdom of God because we are living proof as to how God, in his wisdom, was going to bring all families, all nations on the earth together. And all nations on the earth now can follow God. We can follow God through Jesus Christ. We also see connected with that in verse 11. We see that uh, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, all this comes back. Keep in mind what, I, what I've already stated before. All this comes back to Jesus Christ. The the purpose of God can only be accomplished through Jesus Christ. The wisdom of God can only be accomplished through Jesus Christ. The grace of God can only be accomplished through Jesus Christ. Everything about us being a saint, being a holy one of God, all of it has to be accomplished through Jesus Christ. If you take Jesus Christ out of the equation, and if you just take him off the table and you don't consider him, what are we? What happens to God's plan? What happens to God's purpose? It all falls apart because it's central to Jesus Christ, who he was and is and will always be, and the plan, the, the purpose uh, that he fulfilled. So we see with us being saints, it's connected to God's grace, God's wisdom, God's eternal purpose, and it's connected to Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to be a saint? What does it mean to to you know, celebrate saints on this day, you know, All Saints Day, to, to recognize all of the, the saints, all of the church who have ever lived. What does it mean? Well, it means that we recognize God's grace, we recognize his plan, we recognize his wisdom, and we recognize his son, Jesus Christ, who brings it all together and has brought us all together and who blesses all of these nations. But there's also more in this chapter. Let's keep reading. Verses 14 through 19 now. Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's pause here because the, the last couple of verses of this chapter, I mean, it's wonderful praise of God, but let's, let's pause here and let's recognize a few things. For one thing, the, the central statement here uh, in verse 18 that kind of ties in this and us being saints is that so that we can... Um, uh, be able to comprehend with all of the saints, you know, so we are all as saints called to comprehend something. And by the way, this type of comprehension, it's actually not something that uh, that we are going to comprehend with our mind. Okay, I, I think that actually the whole point of what he is saying here is it goes beyond that. Because notice, okay, how can we comprehend this? How can we comprehend the, the love of God? That's one of the things that he talked about here in verse 19. You know, he talked about the love of Christ. But then he says that it surpasses knowledge. So we can't comprehend it with just, you know, knowledge. That's not how you're going to figure out the love of Christ. How you're going to figure out the love of Christ is by experiencing it. Another way that you're going to be able to comprehend all of these things about God is because 
God is within us. In fact, here in verse verse 19, the last phrase that he says there, look at that. It says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, here in this passage, verses 14 through 19, all of these passages, uh, this entire passage, I think it's important to understand something because, you know, whenever we talk about God being in us, we a lot of times just focus on the Holy Spirit being in us. And sometimes we even debate those things. We're like, okay, so how does the Holy Spirit dwell within us and, and all of these things? And I think that what we need to recognize is it's bigger than just the Holy Spirit. I mean, look at this. You see the fullness of God being in us, but you also find out in verses 14 through 17 about the Father being in us. But notice that there's also even a connection to the Spirit being in us in verse 16. But then in verse 17, it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's not just the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. If you are a saint of God, if you are a holy one of God, if you are a Christian, it's not just the Holy Spirit who lives within you. He most certainly does. But Christ lives in your heart through the faith that you have in him. God lives in your heart. In fact, it says that, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is how we can comprehend it. It's really beyond us, but it's within us whenever God is in us, whenever the fullness of God is in us, whenever Christ is dwelling in our hearts, whenever the Holy Spirit is living within us. So this type of comprehension that we are called to, to understand here, it is beyond our knowledge. It's beyond just book smarts. It's beyond just kind of what we can read about. Now, I mean, you know, all of those things can help us but it goes more than that. We have to be physically, spiritually, all different ways connected with God. And, you know, he's made a way for that. That's what we were looking at before about this wisdom, this purpose, and this grace of God. All of this is how he's able to do these things right now and how we can comprehend it, how we can grasp it, how we can understand it, so to speak, is not just with our minds. It's with our entire being. It's by letting God's being be within us. This is part of the wisdom of God. This is what it means to be a saint. And I think sometimes we just need to, to recognize these things and rejoice over these things. And just rejoice over this, this wonderful plan that God has had since before time began. God always had this plan and now we see how it comes about. And it's wonderful. And we need to be sharing it with one another. And we need to always give God glory for what he's doing. In fact, that's why Paul now turns and gives all the glory to God. Let's look at that together. Verses 20 and 21, the last couple of verses of this chapter. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? to be a saint of God, to be called a holy one of God. God is the one who has done all this. To him does belong all the glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, for now, but forever and ever. Amen. We need to be living this out. We need to be recognizing this and, and doing something about it. And I want us to to just end with kind of a response to this call, a response to all of these things. You know, how should we respond to being able to be called a saint? 
being able to experience this grace and wisdom and also the, the purpose and the love of God. How do we respond with that? To that, we look at Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. And this is kind of the call that I'm going to leave us with today. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You see, in order for us to recognize how great of a thing it truly is to be part of the church, we need to be constantly working to, to build up the church, to be a part of the church, to be an active part of this church, and all the while being able to eagerly maintain this unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's a lot here in, in these verses that Paul leaves us with, that he challenges us with. You are a holy one of God. Let's also remember all those other holy ones who have gone on before us and those who are still here among us. And let's help one another so that there will be holy ones tomorrow and the next day. Because this is part of God's plan that we can all be called the children of God. Let's act like it. Let's live like it every day. God the Father of all men, ruler of all nations, master of the universe, Lord of all creation, can it be that we are the people of the Reconcile my precious blood, graciously for